You're listening to New Life Washington Podcast. We pray this sermon encourages you and builds up your faith. It's our goal to help you live so that no one misses the grace of God. Enjoy the sermon. We are continuing a series today. It's called The Generous Life. And what we've been talking about is is we've been talking about Christmas and how Christmas is this season in our world where um, it is very focused on purchasing things, right? And I say that in the most... um, it's okay, right? I, I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody by saying, hey, uh, this is a, a very busy season where you buy a lot of stuff for your family. But at the same time, we wanted to take a turn on that and talk a little bit about how God is asking us in this season, not just to think about our families, but to think beyond that, to think about generosity in our community, to think about generosity, how we can be generous, how we can be more loving, and to talk about this idea of money and generosity. So that's what we began last week, and this week I wanted to continue to do that. But one of the things that's so important for us is we talk about this word generosity. For those of us who have kids, for those of us who have grandkids, is modeling generosity for our kids. And uh, I've got two of them. I've got a one-year-old named Jay, and I got a little picture of him here, right? This is Jay here. Uh, My wife is all about Christmas and, you know, dressing him up like an elf and all these things. So here he is, right, getting into trouble as always. Uh, But this is Jay. But with Ellie, she's at an age now where I can begin to teach. I can begin to model. I can begin to do some of those things. And one of the fun things that we do every now and then is we go to Walmart, just me and her, to get out of mom's hair, really, okay? It's like, hey, we're going to go, okay? I think you need about an hour break at least, okay? So we're going to go. And uh, we walk around Walmart, and she tells me some of the gifts that she wants for Christmas, okay? But, But this is a great opportunity to talk about generosity, great opportunity to talk about giving back. So in that conversation, I usually say, okay, so tell me, what do you want for you? And then she shows me, and this was one of those examples of what she wanted for her, right? This Barbie dream house or whatever it is. And probably not a dream house. I think it's a makeup thing, you know, <laughs> but, but, but who knows? It shows my uh, understanding of this stuff. And so I'm glad I took a picture so I can know exactly what it is. But as we're, as we're standing there, right, I begin to turn the conversation a little bit. And I begin to say, Ellie, I want you to think about how awesome it would be to be able to give this to somebody else, right? Somebody else who couldn't get this this Christmas. Somebody else, a little girl just like you, who couldn't get something like this. How would that make you feel? How excited would you be if you were able to give this to somebody else? And uh, I said, let's take a picture of that. And <laughs> And I'm not sure what that expression was, right? Is this excitement? Is this like, no, I want this for me. But slowly, we're beginning to teach this idea of giving. We're beginning to teach this idea of generosity. And for you and I, having a heavenly father, he wants us to get it too. He wants to model generosity for us. He wants to show us what it means like to be giving He wants to teach us lessons along the way so that we can be excited about giving, so that we could be excited about moments when we have an opportunity to give back to where we get excited and animated if we have an opportunity to give to somebody. So the heart of this message is how can we get our hearts excited about giving back? How can we get our hearts excited? Because when we have a heart that's excited to give, it's a heart like Christ. When we have a heart that's excited to be generous, it's a heart like our God, and he wants to make us more like him. 
But anytime we talk about this idea of giving in church and this idea of generosity, I think it comes back to this feeling, right, of, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about these things. Like, I don't like this. I don't like this feeling because in the world that we live in, we're used to being given a sales pitch. We're used to being given this... um, (laughs) this thing, and we don't always trust it. How many of you have ever been there before, especially in this season, right? You have somebody from high school, you have somebody from college, you have somebody that you once knew, all of a sudden they're reaching out, like, oh, hey, how's it going? How have you been? Tell me all about everything. And then at the very end of the conversation, oh, by the way, I'm selling these things. Would you like to buy one of these things so that you could have the coolest beard in the world, Jesse? No, thank you. Okay, bye, right? It's like, okay, that whole conversation, did you even care about me or were you just trying to sell the beard oil? And, um, and that's how we feel at times, right? Like, do they even care about me when we talk about giving or are they just trying to sell something? Are they just trying to get us to give? And I want to be very clear in this message that God doesn't need your money, that God cares about your heart. He cares about what's going on in here, and he knows that your money and your heart, they go together. And if your views on money aren't correct, it's going to affect your heart. And if your heart's not correct, it's going to affect your money. Right? That these things are a byproduct of each other. And so if we're going to get this idea of money correct, it's going to affect our hearts. It's going vice versa to affect things. So I want you to begin to think about your heart. I want you to begin to think about where it's at in regards to finances, in regards to money, in regards to giving. Do you, are you a joyful giver? Do you love to give back? Or are you a tightwad? Let's just be honest. And if you were to look, and if God were to look at your finances, what would he say about them? What would he say about your ability to give? How would you feel if he knew that? Because he does. And he's not judging you, and he's not, you know, (laughs) this isn't a guilt trip kind of thing, right? It's just him caring about your heart. And we're going to see that in the message today. And we're going to see that in where we're going. But how many of you, um, I mentioned Elf on the Shelf a little bit earlier, but how many of you have heard of that? Because that's something we do at our house. And I think the idea here is, you know, to do some fun stuff, of course, for the kids. And, you know, the Elf shows up, and it's really creepy because it's like, I'm back, Oh, wow, creepy. But at the same time, the idea is, hey, this elf is here, and he's kind of watching in to make sure that you're being good, right? He's kind of ma- making sure that you're being good. But not only that, they do some fun stuff with it. And, and at, this, but at the same time, I, my daughter knows it's just something that we, we play around with. But the idea here is, are you naughty or nice leading up to Christmas? And, and what if God had the ability, what if this elf, right, told God how you were spending your money? What if this elf told God, right, how you were handling your finances? He doesn't need an elf. He already knows. But let's just say hypothetically. What would you say? Would you say, man, I'm really messing up? Would you say, man, I'm, I really, it shows that my heart isn't correct. But maybe elf on the shelf doesn't work for you. So what I did was I asked a couple of your husbands to give us your Amazon purchases uh, so we're going to start right here. I'm kidding. That would be, <laughs> that'd be very shocking, huh? Some of you ladies are like, oh, please, I hope you didn't choose mine. 
no, no, we wouldn't do that. But just imagine, right, your Amazon purchases, you know, everything that you bought, everything here. What would that look like for you? Would you say my heart is aligned with God's heart? Because what the Bible tells us in Matthew 6.24 is it says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So it's saying here your heart can be for God or it can be for money. It can't be both. And, and, and what we're not teaching here is that you shouldn't care about money, right? Because money is a part of our life. We have to have money. It has to happen. It has to go there. Uh, but at the same time, it's just saying here don't love money. Don't make that your, your whole reason for existing. Don't make that your whole reason for living your life. You're here for God and money is something that you can use you're here for people. You're here to love people. You're here to love God. Not just to live your whole life surrounded on a focus for money. So we're going to talk about a guy who was living his life for money and how Jesus got a hold of him. So turn with me to Luke chapter 19. And this is where we're going to be spending time today. We're, what we're going to do is we're going to read it all the way through. And then we're going to come back and talk about it. It says here in Luke chapter 19, verse 1, that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man there named Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore tree to see him, and since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he, was, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. So what a beautiful passage of Scripture here. And I think the main idea here, if there was anything that you could see from this, the big idea is that when, when Jesus gets a hold of your heart, it changes the way that you view money, right? When Jesus gets a hold of your heart and he truly gets a hold of it, it changes the way you view money. It makes you more generous. There's no way around it. If Jesus truly has your heart, those things begin to take place as a byproduct of that. And we see that in the life of a guy like Zacchaeus. So let's go back. Let's read from verse 2. And let's begin to talk about this a little bit more in depth. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy, okay? So this guy Zacchaeus, for a living, he collected tax from people. So he would go house to house, and he would make sure that all the money that those people received, that he got a portion of that. In that day, it was very common for tax collectors to take a little bit more than they should, Right, So they were thought as people who were thieves, and they were so hated in their community. 
So this guy Zacchaeus, he is not a friend of the people. He is not somebody who people enjoy to be around. He's not somebody who people are saying, hey, I want to be a friend with that guy. He is a loner. He is a guy that everybody hates. He is a guy that nobody wants to be around. It's just, he's just one of those guys because he is stole from so many people. He's so wealthy. He's so rich. He looks down on others. And people are saying, we cannot stand this guy Zacchaeus. If I see him around, I'm not doing any favors for him. If he gets a flat tire on the side of the road, right, I'm going to throw my drink at him as I drive by, okay? You know, he's just one of these guys that everybody loves to hate. And he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. Just a little short guy, okay? Little bitty guy. Santa's little helper, okay? And so he's this small guy, and he knows, hey, I'm not going to be able to see Jesus, Also, he knows, I think instinctively, that he shouldn't be in the crowd, that it's dangerous for him to be there. Because one person, if he's not looking out for himself, can just knock him over, can just stab him. So he knows he needs to get to a safe place because he's so hated. And this little short guy runs ahead, he climbs a tree, and he waits for Jesus to come walking by. And I want you to see here that at this point, Zacchaeus is far from God. He's far from Jesus. He doesn't reflect his values. He doesn't reflect his heart. He steals from people. He is a very different man than he's about to be. But when Jesus reached that spot, Jesus looked at him and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today interesting right like Jesus is just like straightforward you know he's not like kind of beating around the bush and like hey you know I kind of need somewhere to stay today do you know any places around here he's just like hey I'm staying at your house today but but once again this gets back into this idea of God doesn't want something from you he wants something for you because here it could appear like Jesus wants to come and stay at his house because he needs a place to stay But really, he wants to change this whole man's life. He wants to change his world. And he does. Because we see in these very next verses that after Jesus says, come and stay at your house, come and stay, I'm going to come stay at your house today, that he comes down and then he welcomes Jesus gladly. And at this point, all the people who don't like Zacchaeus are mad at Jesus. Look at this guy, Jesus. He's gone to be the guest of this sinner. Are you joking me? Why would he, why would he be around a guy like that? Because he loves broken people, guys. He loves broken people like you and I. He loves people that don't have it all together. How many of you are so grateful for that? That you've got a God that even when you're messed up and even when you're on the side of the road on a tree and your heart is not aligned with him and you're far from him, that he still looks for you that he still has his eye on you and he still wants to bring you alongside of him. No matter what everybody else is saying, that he is looking out for you. Amazing. Amazing the heart of Jesus. And all the people began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But I want you to see what happens in Zacchaeus' heart. Somewhere in the middle of their dinner, somewhere in the middle of their conversation, it says that, Zacchaeus, he stood up 
And he said, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. All of a sudden, this man who has spent his whole life being stingy, stealing from people, he's saying, it's all different now. I'm going to give half of what I own to the poor. Not only that, but anybody who I've ever cheated, I'm going to give back four times that same amount. Suddenly his heart is different. Jesus does to us. Not only does he make us generous, he makes us more loving. Not only does he make us more loving, he can transform our hearts. When our hearts truly align with his, we become very, very different than we ever were before. It's the message of the gospel, right? That he comes and he transforms us, that the old is gone, the new has come, that we're new creations in Christ. And that's exactly what he does. He changes his life and he's a new man that point forward. And for the Son of Man comes to seek and to save those who are lost. But the main idea here is that our relationship with Jesus will change our relationship with money. Our relationship with Jesus will change our relationship with money every single time. So I would say that if money has your heart, of course, as we talked about earlier, you can only serve one master. So if Jesus has your heart, what does that mean? That money doesn't have your heart. If money has your heart, what does that mean? That Jesus doesn't have your heart. So today, it's a discipleship question. Who has your heart? Does money have your heart or does Jesus have your heart? Because our relationship with Jesus is going to change our relationship with money. So what does it do? Well, just a couple of things. We stop living our lives for money. So let me ask you that question. Are you living your life for money? Does it revolve around money? Every decision that you make, every thought that you have, is it revolving around money or is it revolving around people? Because what we see in this story is that Zacchaeus goes from a money maker, a m- somebody who's focused on money, to somebody who's focused on people. Do you see the, the difference here? He goes from being focused on money to suddenly saying, I'm giving half of my money back to the poor and I'm giving a certain amount of money back to those who I've hurt in the past. His heart for people grows. And as you spend time with God, your heart for money will lessen and your heart for people will grow. And that's exactly what Jesus wants to do in your life. Also, we have a realization, like I said, that people are more important than money. And we have a desire to please the Lord with how we use our money. So what does that mean for you and I that we start looking at our finances, that we take a look at our Amazon account, that we take a look at our, at our bank account, and we begin to ask ourselves, if I were to look at this, would it reflect that I have a heart for Jesus? Or would it reflect that I have a heart for money, that I have a heart f- for this world? Because what should begin to happen is that through your finances, you, could, you should begin to see that you truly do have a heart for Jesus. Because there's moments in there in your bank account where you're giving to others, where you're giving to your local church, where you're giving to bless somebody else, where you're giving to be generous to others, where you're using a moment to pay for somebody's dinner, to pay for somebody's groceries, to pay for others your bank account will reflect that. It'll reflect where your heart is and whether or not 
you're able to be generous. But our relationship with Jesus, it'll change our relationship with money. So who has your heart this morning? Does money have your heart or does Jesus have your heart? Today, the opportunity is to lay that down, to lay it down and to say, Jesus, I want you to have my heart. Thanks for listening. For more information about New Life Washington, check out our website at newlifeonline.org. God bless.